<laughs> Straight up Arsenio up in his bed. <laughs> if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to two places in Scripture. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read verses 6 to 7. And then, we're, and then I also want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. So put your finger there on Isaiah 9 and then turn over to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 9 to 13. You know, Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. And I believe a part of that life is that he gives us energy. You know, uh, this past weekend, I think, I don't think I've, I've stood and, and spoken. I don't think I've talked this much in a very long time. And I talk a lot. Uh, but yesterday was uh, a crazy day, uh, standing and doing couple seminars and then preaching and then leading different sessions and and then but then after after our evening session went which which went well into the night i was filled with energy i was like wow holy spirit you you really break off fatigue i know some of our leaders are like i don't know that right now (laughs) yeah yeah amen that's why they they kept their eyes open when we were praying because if they close them they're gone Let's read Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. Let's read the word of God all together. All right. One, two, three. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Turn over to Matthew 6. We're going to read verses 9 to 13. You all probably know this. This is the most famous prayer in all of human history. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Let's read it all together. One, two, three. Pray. Oh, wait. Did I pray the wrong thing? Pray then like this. Pray then like this, right? Yeah, come on. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then some translations say, for those is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that you call us into your kingdom. And God, that your kingdom, your will is for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, God, I pray that today you would put a zeal in us for your kingdom to expand in every area of our lives. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. The desire of the Lord is for his kingdom to be established on earth as it is in heaven. The reason Jesus came. 
on earth was to establish and increase the kingdom of God. That's why he came. And if you think about it on earth as it is in heaven, if you think about heaven and if you read the scriptures and you think about heaven in heaven, heaven, there's constant worship. Worship to the right God. In heaven, there's there's praise. In heaven, there's no more weeping, no more sadness. In heaven, there's joy. In heaven, there is peace and righteousness. In heaven, there's love. The atmosphere of heaven is filled with worship, adoration, love. In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no death. In all these things, they sum up God's kingdom. And, and God's desire is for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We've been going through this core values the, uh, remix series, right? And we are on the eighth message. We got one more to go after this. This one is contend for the kingdom. Everyone say contend for the kingdom. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to contend for the kingdom. You know, just get like in a, a sword fight or something. Contend for the kingdom. The reason Jesus came on earth was to establish and increase the kingdom of our God. Kingdom, the word kingdom literally means the king's domain. So when you're talking about a kingdom, you're talking about a king. And we see in Isaiah 9 that this king is Jesus. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Our king is Jesus. Our king is not Barack Obama. Our king is not the president of South Korea. Our king is not LeBron James, although he calls himself King James. No, our king is Jesus. He is the only king. He is the king of kings. He is the ruler of all creations. He sits in the highest place. Before him, there shall come a day in which every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That means he's king. Our king is Jesus and he's a good king. He's a good king. He's not this angry king. He's not this mad king. He's a good king. He's not evil. He's not out to get you. He's a good king. That's the first thing I think we need to realize is that our king is good. And the thing about Jesus is he's king whether you recognize it or not. Whether you recognize that he is sitting on the throne, whether you recognize that he is king over all, it doesn't matter. He still is king. But in order for his kingdom to expand in your life, you got to first start out by recognizing that he's king. If not, you're going to expand the domain of another king. For most of us, especially in our generation, we are king. You are king of your own life. We, I decide my own things. I do what I want to do. Don't tell me what to do. It's my world. It's my life. You're just living in it. Most of us walk around as little pseudo kings with our own crowns. Everyone needs to bow to me. The bus needs to come right on time. The taxi driver needs to stop for me. He needs to stop driving so fast because this is my world. Ajima needs to stop pushing me. Ajima, you know I'm tired. Don't try and sit in that seat. 
Actually, you know what, Ajima? I'm king. I'm going to let you sit today. Why isn't this coming on time? Why is this not happening the way I prayed all this time? Why is it not happening? And it's because we think that we're king. Why did this happen to me? Why am I going through this? This isn't making any sense. This this isn't how my life's supposed to be. And it's because we are wearing our crowns and trying to expand our own domain. But Jesus is king. Only Jesus. He's king. He's Lord over your life, whether you recognize it or not. Whether you want to take the time to exalt him, doesn't matter. He's already exalted. Whether you want to take the time to submit to him, it doesn't matter. 10,000 by 10,000 are submitted. Whether you want to take the time to, to say, Jesus, you know what? Come and have your way in my life. It doesn't matter because He's still king. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein. The heavens belong to him and the earth is his footstool. The earth is God's ottoman. He kicks his feet up on the earth. He's that kind of king. He's chilling. It says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, the father, which means he's such a good king. He don't even have to get up. He's just Oh, that happened? I'm not worried. I'm king. You know, Jesus is not insecure about his kingship. The problem is not that Jesus is insecure about his kingship because he's not. It's that we are insecure about his kingship. But he's king. And he calls us to expand his kingdom. One of the first things Jesus said when he stepped down, when he came and he was, began his public ministry in Mark 1.14, it says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And this is what he said. This is proclaiming the gospel. The time is fulfilled. The time is now. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus stepped down. He's like, hey, what's up, y'all? Y'all know I'm Messiah, right? No, he didn't do that. No, he said, check it out. There's a, the king is in town. The king is here. Everything has changed. It's time to repent, to change your mind, because the king's domain is here. And as God's people, God calls us to contend for the kingdom. Amen? When he taught us how to pray, he taught us to pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. When they said, teach us how to pray. We want to pray like you pray, Jesus. I mean, if anything, we want to learn how to pray like Jesus prays, right? And he says, this is how you pray. Pray for my kingdom to come. Don't pray that you will pay this bill on time. Don't pray that you'll have your clothes on your back. Don't pray for new shoes. Don't pray for a car. Don't pray for any of that. Pray for my kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. But see, when we are trying to be our own kings, we pray for the stuff that the king's already provided for. That stuff comes with the kingdom. Provision and taking care of you, it just comes. It comes with it. It comes with the package. I want to talk about three areas we need to contend for the kingdom today. Three areas we need to contend for the kingdom. The first place we need to contend for the kingdom is in our mind. 
Mark 1.15, I, I just declared it. Jesus said his first words in his ministry, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Why did he say repent? Why did he say repent? It wasn't like everyone was walking around just doing some sin and stuff. And he's like, hey, repent. No, the kingdom of God is here. You need to repent. The word for repentance means to change your mind, change your thinking because the kingdom is here. And we need to actively contend for the king's domain to expand in our minds. We need to actively contend that God's thoughts would become our thoughts. That his ways would become our ways. That the things that God's word says would be the very things that we think and we meditate on. Because for many of us, that's not the case. We got to pray and contend for our minds to be reined in into obedience to his word. You know why? Because if you don't first contend for the kingdom in your mind, it doesn't matter where else you contend for the kingdom. If you don't first have the king's domain happening in your mind, you could step outside and pray for the kingdom to come. You could do all these other things for the kingdom to come. But if you don't have it first happening here, it doesn't matter. Proverbs 25, 28 says a man without self-control is like a city broken down. A city broken into and left without walls. The writer of Proverbs likens our minds to a city, likens our minds to almost like a kingdom. And he says that if you don't have the self-control, which is the fruit of the spirit, if you don't have God reigning in your mind, you're like a city whose walls are broken down. And the enemy can just come in anytime he wants to with attacks and lies and deception. So we got to have his domain in our minds. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. See, it all, the kingdom starts in your thought life. It doesn't start outside. It doesn't start in the four walls of a building. No, the kingdom actually starts in your thought life. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. I'm going to read it. Paul, the Apostle Paul writes, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy, what? Strongholds. We destroy, what? Arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey God. Christ to obey the king. Look at the progression in this passage. Paul says we have power to destroy strongholds, then arguments, then opinions. And then he says to take captive our thoughts. Why does he say that we need to destroy strongholds, destroy arguments, destroy opinions, but we can take captive thoughts? That must be because our thoughts are actually the weaker of the three. See, the progression is actually backwards. I want you to start at the, the end, and I want you to work your way backwards with your eyes. Because it's all here's where it all starts. It starts with your thoughts. It starts with our thoughts. See, Satan comes in, and he comes in with a lie. He comes in with deception, and it starts as a thought. I don't even know why I thought that. I don't even know where that came from. Oh, I know that's not me. It starts with a thought. Satan's domain expands in your mind by a thought. God's domain expands in your mind by a word, by his word. 
With Satan, it starts with a thought. All of a sudden, oh, I'm thinking about something I know I shouldn't be thinking about, but I'm thinking about it. And then the longer you think about it, it starts to become an opinion. You start to take ownership of that thought. Now it's not only just something that showed up in your mind, it becomes your very own opinion. It's a thought you've taken ownership over. Now, but it's still a bit more malleable. You know, if the word of God comes while it's an opinion, it'll get broken. Because it's an opinion an opinion can change. But now because you've allowed that opinion to meditate and all you're thinking about now is that opinion in your mind, that opinion has now become an argument. And so now when the word of God comes, when the word of God is preached, the first thing you're thinking is not, oh, well, my opinion can change. You have an argument against it. The very thoughts in your mind are waging war against the word of God. See, that's how you know when Satan's domain is really starting to contend. Well, the word of God says this, but, 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 well, what about, but, but, what about, what, but, but. What's starting to happen in that moment is now your mind is waging war against the word of God. It's an argument. And then once that argument continues, because we like to put our full force behind an argument, that argument then becomes a stronghold. And the the word stronghold, it's talking about like a siege work. It's talking about walls that they would build to help protect themselves against the enemy. But see, when a Satan's lie comes into our mind and it becomes an opinion that becomes an argument that becomes a stronghold. Now, the people, the ones that we're keeping out, what we're keeping out is the king's domain. Now, all of a sudden, God's word becomes the enemy. Now, God is the enemy and Satan is my friend. Because I am now, I have now established my mind in Satan's domain. And on the other side is the king's domain. And so when the word of God comes, you now need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because now walls have to be broken. And so then we wonder, why is it taking so long? This person, it happened automatically. That's because their thought was an opinion. Yours was a stronghold. Not to say that God can't break through. Because there's no wall. He's king. He's seated in heaven. He's not afraid. But in order for you to contend, in order for your mind to change, you've got to understand the progression. Because for many of us, we have strongholds set up in our mind. And we've got to start breaking down those walls. See, James 1.8 talks about what happens to a man when his opinions, his arguments, and his strongholds have more power than the word of God. James 1.8 says he is a double-minded man. That means that he is literally divided. And his, he's waging war against himself. Satan brings division because division, you cannot expand the kingdom when it's divided. In the first place, he brings division is in our mind. So you have to make a decision. Listen, you have to make a decision. Every time a wayward thought or a demonic suggestion comes into your mind, you're not going to entertain it. But you're going to bring it to the word of God. You're going to attack it with the word of God. When the thought comes in, you know what? You're worth nothing. You're, you're, you're ugly. You should do this. You should do this. You know, you got you to take that thought captive and declare the, the truth of the word of God. You got to allow the word of God to become your opinion. 
the word of God to become your argument, the word of God to become your stronghold. If not, your mind will be like a city with broken down walls. And that'll be your life. Why do I have no self-control? Why does everything around me seem to be crumbling? It's because there's a different domain being set up. You know, I'll give you two keys to, to break those things down. When the demonic suggestion comes, the first is worship. 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 It says God inhabits the praises of his people. God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. I, I promise you, if Satan brings you an attack, if Satan brings you a lie, and you just start worshiping God, it will you won't even remember what you were thinking about. Men, if Satan comes with a, an attack of lust or a, a lustful thought, start worshiping. I, I promise you will not you will not have that lustful thought anymore. Worship and the word. You got to meditate on the word of God. The second place. We got to contend for the kingdom, not just in our mind, but we need to contend for the kingdom in the kingdom. That means that we got to contend for the king's domain in the actual kingdom, in amongst God's people. I want you to turn to Matthew 12, 25 to 26. And this is good today. Oh, this is good. This is good. I thought last night was the best message I ever preached. This is good. This is good. This is life changing stuff right here. You guys are going to walk out completely different. But I know for some of you, even as I'm preaching, there's arguments that are coming up in your mind. And I hope you're recognizing that that's not God. Your heart's getting hard and you're, you're thinking, well, what's, what's, what are you talking about? Ben? I, ain't listen. I've been, I hope you're recognizing that's not God. There's arguments and strongholds that have been set up in your mind that have to be broken. Matthew 12, 25 to 26 this is Jesus talking to them after he's been casting out demons and the Pharisees, the haters, the Pharisees are looking at him and they're thinking, oh, he's casting out demons by Satan. He is casting out demons by the spirit of demons. For some reason, that's always how the Pharisees sound to me. <laughs> just really uptight like they're, oh, my goodness, like they just he's casting out demons by the spirit of demons. But Jesus turns to him. Full of Holy Spirit swagger. He turns to them, Matthew 12, 25 to 26. He says, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Jesus is talking about Satan's kingdom here, but the principle applies to God's kingdom as well. If we are divided against ourselves, how will the kingdom expand? How will the kingdom even stand? I know for many of you, you've grown up in churches that have went through church splits, have went through controversies with the leadership, have went through a lot of infighting and gossip and backbiting and people constantly throwing rocks at each other verbally, hopefully, not physically. Because that's just crazy. 
And then all of a sudden, week after week after week after week, the church gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And people's lives just get more and more and more dark. Why? Because the kingdom is divided against itself. It is impossible for a kingdom to be divided against itself yet expand. In history, what kingdom have you heard about that's fought a mutiny yet went out and won more wars? No, you don't hear that. You know, when we are divided against one another, when there's division, bitterness, competition, strife, it's impossible for the kingdom to expand. So we have to contend, not just for the kingdom to expand in our minds, but for the kingdom to expand amongst us. That we have to keep unity inside the kingdom. How do you do that? Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, being humble and gentle to one another, being patient. I just got convicted. Bearing with one another in love. That means when someone's struggling, when someone's having a tough time, you're not always you're not judging them. But you're getting where they're at and you're trying to pick and you're wanting to pick them up. That's what it means to bear with one another in love that if someone's down, you go down with them, not to go down with you. Oh, girl, I know how you feel. Mm, it just really sucks being where you at. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here's some more tissue. Yeah. Keep crying. No. No, homie, that must be really tough, man. Yeah, man. I'm with you, man. You know, keep staying in your sin, though. Keep staying in your in your debaucherous lifestyle. That's fine, though, dog. No, but you say, you know what? I see where you're at, but hey, bro, let me pick you up. Hey, let me pick you up. Let me bear with you in love. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Meaning that what binds it all together is peace. What binds it all together is that when we learn how to live peaceably with one another, when we learn how to maintain peace. Now, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of conflict. There are going to be people you're going to just have conflict with. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but it is you continuing to push forward towards unity, towards togetherness, towards love. That means you have to actually make efforts to be humble, patient with one another. That means we have to forgive, bless, encourage, and serve one another. Serve one another. You know, when I first came to Korea, now I grew up in the South, right? So I grew up in the South, Southern United States, Southeastern United States. And in the South, like, I remember as a little kid, the first time I was old enough to walk, I walked up to the door in front of my mom, and I just opened it up on my own and kept walking. And she said, hey, come back here. Come back here. And she smacked me. You opened the door for me. I'm like, you're like twice as big as me. Like, like, you saw how hard it was for me to open this door? She's like, no, no, no. And so she she just had me from then on out. Open the door. Open the door. Open the door. I was like, what is this? Am I like my mom's little slave? And I remember, like, you know, my mom would just ha- constantly have me do different things. And I, and I think that's a southern thing, southern hospitality. 
You know, chivalry still exists someplace in the world, and it's called the South. (laughs) But when I came to Korea, I came to Korea. I think I've talked about this before. And the first, I went to Hyundai Pekwajam, Hyundai department store. And I walk in, and I I could see that there was, like, a bunch of women behind me. And so I was like, you know what? And then before I knew it, dudes are walking through. Like everybody's walking through. I'm like, hold up. I am not the doorman. And they just just keep walking. I was like. (laughs) In Korea, you know, because of the Confucian mentality in Korea, people don't serve one another unless they have to. You got to understand that that is a bondage that exists not just in Korea, but in the world. I only serve you if I can get something out of it. I'll only love you if you're going to do something for me. That's not service. That's called a contractual agreement. No, serve one another in love. That means do something for someone else where you may not get anything in return. When's the last time you've done that? Some of you are like, I'm on the service team. I move chairs every week. Go beyond that. Go beyond that. We need to get better at just loving one another, loving people. Some of us, our hearts can be hardened because people haven't loved us. You know how you break out of that? Love somebody. Just love somebody. That's how you break out of it. Just take a step. I don't feel like it. I don't feel comfortable. It's because you've been so broken and hurt. But just take that step. I promise you will find healing through just serving someone. Just serving people. When we do that, we create unity in the kingdom. The third place we got to contend. And this is probably the place you thought about it the most when I said contend for the kingdom is we got to contend for the kingdom in the walls outside of the kingdom, meaning the world. See, once we've won these two battles, once we've won contending for the kingdom in our minds and contending for the kingdom in the kingdom, we can start to contend and expand the kingdom out there. So many of us, we can be, we can be so goal-oriented. We're like, I just want to go out there and do this. And in some places, that's what they teach you. And then people get beat up and they get bitter and burnt out. But A before B before C. You got to get this mind right. Then get this right. And then once we get this right, that happens almost automatically. See, once we do that, we can focus on the right things, and that's expanding the kingdom out there. Not Isaiah 9, 7 says, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And then Isaiah says something very interesting. After he talks about how Jesus' kingdom is going to always increase. I don't care what statistics you read. I don't care what people say about the kingdom of God. I don't care what people would declare over God's kingdom. It is continually increasing. And he says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Which means you can't do it by your human effort. We can't do it by this humanistic, well, it seems like a good thing. It seems like, no, no, you need the zeal of the Lord. Why? Because it involves warfare. 
It involves spiritual warfare. And, and the way that you confront that warfare is not all of us getting together, putting on a, putting on a breastplate and a, and a helmet and a shield and walking outside looking like Leonidas. I've been trying to grow out my beard, though, to, you know, so I can get it. I heard, I, heard, I, heard some, I heard some of those ums. I know what you're thinking. I'll go do CrossFit. That's fine. <laughs> grow out the, you know, it's not like we go outside. And, and I mean, how ridiculous would that look? You know, if on your way out, we just had, you know, equally fitted shield and sword for each one of you. And we're walking outside. No one, like, that's crazy. <laughs> but we're not waging war against people. We're not waging war against flesh and blood. I want you to turn to Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. It says, finally. It's one of the last things that Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He says, finally. I told you everything else you need to know, but finally, last thing I want you to know, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of your might. No, his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Some of you have been taught that the devil doesn't exist. You've been taught that all that stuff is just voodoo, whatever made up stuff. But I want to tell you, it's real. It's real. When we first started planting this church, we, we did prayer walks around Itaewon. And we'd walk through Hooker Hill, Homo Hill. We'd walk all the way around, all around Itaewon. And I tell you, there was so much spiritual warfare. So many attacks, so many members of our team getting sick, having nightmares and dreams. All these different things were happening. And it was not just because they ate the wrong food before going to bed. They drank too much milk. No, it was spiritual warfare. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil, he wants to expand his rule, but it cannot last. We are meant to stand and contend for the kingdom against his schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That person that continues to oppose you, that person who's gotten irrationally angry at you, all these different things that have been happening against you, it's not flesh and blood. It's not just that person. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Human trafficking. Abortion, suicide. Divorce. Lust, pornography. Alcoholism, addiction. All these things are things that have been set up in Satan's domain. What rules over these things is not just a person. It's not just a behavioral issue. But there are spiritual forces of evil that keep those things going. And so what God calls us to do as his people is to stand up and be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The Bible says that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And it's not talking about your neighbor. It's talking about the enemy. 
And what he says is he says, listen, there is this battle that is happening and this battle is being waged in the heavenly places. But I'm calling you into it. Why? Because you are meant to change it. You are meant to expand the kingdom. You are the ones who are meant to expand the bounds of the king's domain. And you know how you do that? You don't do that by going outside with signs and, and, you know, stop doing this, stop doing that, going around judging people. You know, no, that's not how we contend. No, we contend by getting on our knees before God and interceding and praying and declaring and decreeing. There is so much power in your words. I talked about this last night at our leadership retreat, but at Itaewon, you know, Itaewon has long been known as a place that no one wanted to go. The history of Itaewon is that about 500 years ago when the Chinese army came in, they set up shop in Itaewon and they raped the women. They, they raped the women. They pillaged the area. And that's how Itaewon got its name, foreign born. That they housed the place of the foreign born. And then 300 years later after that, the, the Japan, Japanese army comes in, and they, they do the same thing. Well, no, no. 500 years ago, the J- Japanese army comes in. They rape and pillage Itaewon. They set up shop here. 300 years after that, the Chinese forces come in. They set up their shop in Itaewon, and they rape and pillage the women. And then in 1910, Japan, they annex Korea. They come in. They set up shop in Itaewon. What do they do? They rape and pillage the women. They rape and pillage Itaewon. They, they, and then in the 1940s, what happens? Japan gets kicked out. Another army comes in. The American army comes in and they set up where? Itaewon. And now there's, and they set up, you know, prostitution clubs, these juicy clubs, these juicy bars. They set up prostitution. Human trafficking was birthed to entertain the troops. And Itaewon has long been seen as an area that no one wants to go to because all these armies have, have went there and they brought death and destruction to the area. But see, in this hour, what God is doing is he's doing, God's so funny. When Satan brings armies into a certain area to rape and pillage and bring death, God decides I'm going to raise up an army. I'm going to raise up an army in Itaewon that's going to bring life and life to to the full. Where Satan has brought in an army that's going to expand death in Satan's domain. God says, you know what? I'm going to raise up an army in Itaewon that's going to expand the gates of my domain. The king's domain. See, God is funny. And he's called you into that. You may be thinking it's my first Sunday. I don't know. I'm not committed. Whatever. You'll get trained up. You'll get set free. You'll get healed and delivered. And God will transform your life so you can transform others. That's why you're here today. You're actually not here today just to placate your own conscience. That's not why you're here today. You're actually here because God intended for you to be here. Because he's wanting the kingdom to expand. And the kingdom expands first in you. Before it expands anywhere else. 
want to spend some time in prayer. I invite the worship team to come up. The whole team. worship team, they're just going to they're just going to lead us in a song, but I, I want everyone right now to stand to your feet see the king's domain is expanded through his people it's not expanded through rules and regulations it's expanded through his people and that's why God cares so much about your thoughts he cares so much about your thought life he cares so much about the dominion that is expanding inside of you he cares actually more about that right now than he does about the dominion expanding anywhere else And I think there's many of you here in this room, you've struggled with destructive thoughts. You struggled with thoughts of your body image, thoughts about your calling, whether or not you're adequate, feelings of inadequacy. There's been these lies that Satan has brought up against you that have constantly, that have convinced you that they've become strongholds in your mind and they've convinced you that God's power is not strong enough I tell you the truth Jesus is seated on the throne he's not even standing because those walls that you think are impenetrable he's already won the power to defeat them so I want us all right now to just start praying and I want you to begin to bring and identify those areas in your mind. That's where we're gonna. That's where we're gonna spend this time right now. It's not gonna be. We're not gonna pray for Etawan right now. That'll come later. We're not even gonna pray for this campus right now. That'll come later. I want us to identify the areas in our mind. What are the areas in your mind where Satan has established his rule and reign? Where Satan has established his lies of hopelessness? What are the lies we've been believing? And I want you to begin to pray. And as you begin to as you begin to identify those lies, what I want you to declare, what I want you to speak out, I want you to confess the opposite. I want you to confess the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Not you will know the lie. You know the lie, the lie keeps you in bondage. You got to know the truth and the truth sets you free. So right now, all across this room, I want us all to just begin to pray. I want us to begin to ask, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what lies in my mind have I been believing? What lies have I been holding on to? What things, God, has Satan established his domain in? In God, I declare the truth. I declare the opposite. I declare this is the truth of who I am. And then his power is going to start getting released across this room. I just feel it. His power is going to get released across this room to set you free. So all, all across this room, let's start praying right now.